The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13, he said, notice this. Second Corinthians 4, 13 says, but we having, now this is not something that we have to beg for. No. You know, if you're a believer, you have. Amen. The Bible says, he that believeth hath. So we're not trying to get something. God's already given us faith. He's deposited faith on the inside of us. Dad Hagen calls it a a measure of mountain moving faith. The Apostle Paul writing to the church at Rome calls it the measure of faith. Paul speaking over here to the church at Corinth says, We having, now notice, The same spirit of faith. Well, what does that mean? The same spirit of faith. The same spirit of faith as who? The same spirit of faith that Peter had. When he he rose up and spoke boldly and many souls were added to the church. The same spirit of faith that Jesus had when he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. The same spirit of faith that David had when he went out to to meet Goliath in warfare. The same spirit of faith that Elijah had when he called down fire from heaven. Burnt up the sacrifice. That's the same spirit of faith you have. And I think it'd be good for you to remind yourself of that daily. Regularly. We having the same, now notice, spirit of faith. Spirit of faith. He said, according as it is written, I believed, notice, I believed. In other words, he got so fully persuaded of what he believed that it started coming out of his mouth. Did you see that? He said, I believed, therefore, have I done what? In order for faith to be operative and the spirit of faith to be moving in our lives, it's got to be in two places. In your heart and in your mouth. So he he got so full. Have you ever been just so fully persuaded on the inside of you of scripture that it just started coming out of your mouth? You get to be stevre deshte. You get to a point where you become fully persuaded of the word. You won't have to memorize the word. It'll just flow out of you like rivers of living water. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that's the rhema word. The rhema word is the word that you believe. The rhema word is the word that you're persuaded of. The rhema word is a word that is spoken just exactly as it needs to be spoken to fit the specific occasion or circumstance that you're involved in. I believed. And as a result of what I believe, therefore I speak. Then he goes on to say, how about you? 
we also believe. Therefore, amen, what do we do? We speak. We speak. Now, again, I want to I back up a moment. It's the spirit of faith. It's not the mind of faith. Faith is not of the head. Faith is of the heart. You don't believe God with your mind or with your reasoning faculties. You believe Him in your heart with your heart. Now let's look over at a couple of scriptures about the heart. Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. And then uh, notice with me in uh, verse 4. First Peter 3, 4. And he's dealing with apparel and he's dealing with different things here that we won't go into. But just for the sake of, of reference about the heart, notice he says... But let it be the hidden man of the heart. The hidden man of the heart. In which that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit. So evidently your heart and your spirit are one and the same. Which is in the sight of God of great price. Now just because you cannot see Something that's hidden doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. This hidden man of the heart that Peter refers to is the real you. It is where God has placed his faith. Hidden man, man, notice that, man of the heart. Amen. You are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. And it is with your spirit man that you believe God who is a spirit and his word which is spirit and life. Amen. Now, let's go over to Romans chapter 10. Real familiar verses of scripture here, but I, you know what? I think repetition is good. Yeah. I learned from my spiritual father, Dad Hagen, and it, you, you'll notice if you listen to him a lot, that in his seminars that he would, he would go back to the beginning and he would review. Now, why is that? Because faith comes by hearing. And the Word of God is not only life, but it's light. Amen. And you may get light on a certain scripture at a certain time that you hear it, but hear the same scripture and get more light. God wants to give us more light. May the eyes of our understanding be flooded with light. Now, Romans chapter 10. And notice with me. 
in verse 10. Of course, this is right after verse 9, where he says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart. Believe where? Believe in thine heart that God is raised from the dead. What happens? You will be saved. Well, I wish I could believe, Pastor Mark. Hey, you're a believer. And that's what believers do. Believers believe. You know, when our sons were away at school, one of them met Raymond, and one of them met Vanguard, and some, some other place, mom didn't have to call them on the phone and say, Sons, make sure you keep breathing. <laughs> now, why is that? Because human beings breathe. Amen. When they're healthy, all things being equal. And that's what believers do that are nourished up in the words of faith and that are healthy. Believers believe. Say it with me. I am a believer. I am not a doubter. I am a believer. Okay, now notice in verse 10. Are you there? All right. Verse 10, with the heart, man believeth. With your inward man, with your hidden man, with this inward man, this is where you believe unto righteousness. And then notice how the heart and the mouth is connected even in this verse. Do you see it? With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. This is how I got out of darkness and came into the kingdom of God. I believed and spoke and received. And this law of faith is not limited just to being born again. It is the most important aspect of the law of faith. But with this same principle, you can believe in your heart what God has said to you and become fully persuaded of it and confess it with your mouth and you will come unto the place of manifestation. Amen. 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 For with the heart, man believeth. And with the mouth, confession is made unto Salvation. So don't misunderstand that this. Now, faith is not just having a bunch of knowledge up here. Faith is of the heart. Point right down here and say, faith, faith. real Bible faith, it is of the heart. You don't have to pray for it. You don't have to ask God for it. No sense of asking God for something he's already given you. What God is expecting of us is to take what he's given and develop it. To exercise it. Just like you exercise your natural muscles, hopefully once in a while. We should be exercising our faith regularly. The just shall live by faith. Now, I want you to turn now over to 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1.
and verse 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 3. You can grow in faith. You got to start out right where you are at. Don't try to compare yourself with whoever, you know, Pastor Tom or Joe. Don't don't compare yourselves with one another. You know, as long as we get into that game of comparing ourselves with one another, the devil will see to it that he sells us a bill of goods that we never measure up. Well, in Christ, you are already measured up. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you are as important to Him as anyone in the body of Christ. And so don't get under condemnation this much concerning your walk of faith. If you're not where you'd like to be, if if you're not where you know you should be, then do something about it. Amen. Now notice this scripture. In 2 Thessalonians, and I know it's up there, but I, I sometimes when I, I go through the pages of the Bible, it slows me down. And I think sometimes in teaching, we need to be slowed down so that we get it. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. He says, we are bound to, to thank God always for you, brothers. As it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other abounds. Think about that. What a glorious combination for an individual life and for a local church. Growing faith and abounding love. Man, that'll work. Faith growing. Expanding our faith. Growing in faith. But also abounding and overflowing. Having a surplus of the love of God just flowing through us. You know that your faith works by love, right? But the point here is, is that your faith, it can grow exceedingly. And that is my prayer for my life and for your life. That our faith gets stronger day by day to the point to where things that at one time looked impossible now become possible. See, all things are possible with God. Are you listening to me? But all things are possible to him that believeth. Get so persuaded and so growing in faith, hallelujah, that that mountain that's been mocking you and standing in your way for all these years has to give way to the power of God. And then what we'll do is we'll give God all the glory because He's a faithful God and we have faith in a faithful God. And he will watch over his word to perform it. He is the mountain mover. Hallelujah. He is the healer of our bodies. He is the maker of water into wine. He is our God. 
Amen and amen. Say with me, exceeding, growing faith. Now, the spirit of faith is discernible. It's discernible. You can, you can, you can hear it in a person's voice. Uh, sometimes you can see it in a person's eyes. Uh, other times you can see it in their actions. Actions without a foundation of being fully persuaded is foolishness. Acting on and stepping out before you're ready to act on and to step out gets into presumption and foolishness. And we don't want that. Amen? Amen? But once you're persuaded, you can step out. So it's discernible. Look at Luke chapter 5. And notice with me in verse 17 to 20. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. You're so good to me. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. You're so good to me. So good. So good. So good to me. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. You're so good to me. Healed my broken body. You're so good to me. Restored my soul and made me whole. He's so good to me. Put bread on my table. Put faith in my heart. Filled me with the Holy Ghost and made me able to do exploits in His name. He's so good to us. So good. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good to me. Woo, glory. It'll bring tears to your eyes, man. (laughs) Oh, man. When I think about His goodness... And what he's done for me, the building's not big enough to hold all of us. Uh, Yeah. It is a good spiritual habit and exercise to be thanking him at all times. Hallelujah. <laughs> thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. It'll bring tears to your eyes. Not tears of sorrow, but tears of gladness. Has he ever just made you so glad that you started bawling? <laughs> He has made me glad. (laughs) I will rejoice. For he has made me glad. I mean, you just get happy. Happy in the Lord. I got that way today. I got that way today. We had a breakthrough today. Hallelujah. A breakthrough. Amen. A personal breakthrough, a family breakthrough. Just brought tears to my eyes. So glad. 
So glad. <laughs> he is so good. And he'll make you so glad. Woo, hallelujah. No more sadness. But full of gladness. Did you feel that way too? Man, that was awesome. We'll share it with you at another time. It's just a, you know, it's not a small thing when God's involved in something. Hallelujah. So, <laughs> Luke chapter 5. Notice with me now, Luke the 5th chapter. And uh, notice in verse 17. You know, Jesus was a teacher. Did you know that? He also a prophet, apostle, <laughs> pastor, amen, and everything. <laughs> I mean, he had the spirit without measure, right? Well, in Luke chapter 5, verse 17, notice what he was doing. See, I believe that Jesus was so wanting for people to get what he was saying. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching. Sometimes we think that the works of Jesus are limited are only in the category of huge dynamic healings and being people raised from the dead and feeding the multitudes. And those are mighty works, no doubt about it. But his works were not just in one area. In Matthew 9, 35, the Bible says he went about teaching and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing those that were sick. Those are three areas. The body of Christ needs to be taught. The world needs to be preached to in love. And everyone can receive healing. So think about it. He said, the works that I do shall you do also, and greater works than these shall you do, because I go unto my Father. Did you know that when you're having a Bible study in your home with your husband, you're doing the works of Jesus? Did you know that when you are giving a person a scripture of encouragement on the job, or through a friendship or a relationship, you are doing the works of Jesus? It's powerful truth. And it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by. And they came out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And I want you to read the rest of that with me. And the power of the Lord Okay, so in that context there, where it says that the power of the Lord was present to heal them, that includes everyone that's in the house. So the healing power was available to all. Now notice verse 18. And behold, or look, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with the palsy, And they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. They must have had faith. Because these guys were determined to get their friend to Jesus. 
when they could not find by what way that they might bring him in because of the crowd or multitude, they went up upon the roof, the housetop, and they let him down through the tiling with his couch right into the midst before Jesus. Right into where? Right in the middle where the power was present to heal them. And verse 20, when he saw their faith. These guys must have had the spirit of faith. Because their faith was seen. Faith is discernible. And he said unto him, man, your sins are forgiven thee. Now notice the others that were in the house. Now it doesn't say that the scribes and the Pharisees were sick. They may have, some may have been, some may not have been. We don't know. But one thing we know for sure, had they been sick, they wouldn't have gotten healed because they weren't open to the power that was in the house to heal them. Notice it says, and the scribes and the Pharisees began to do what? They began to reason. They got out of the heart and into the head. Reasoning very often will drive the power away or make it ineffective in a person's life. Began to reason, saying, Who is he which blasphemes, who can forgive sins but God alone? But Jesus perceived their thoughts, and he answered and said unto them, Why reason you in your hearts, whether it's easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk, but that you know that, that you may know that the Son of Man has power upon earth to forgive sins? He said to the sick of the palsy, I say unto you, Arise, take up your couch, and go into your house. And immediately he rose up. He rose up before them. (laughs) And he took up whatever he was laying on. And he went home. Mumbling and grumbling. How did he go home? He, He went home glorifying God. He came in one way, but he sure enough left another way. Hallelujah. So faith then, it is discernible. What I want to say to you tonight is let Jesus see your faith. Let him see your faith. Now, go over to Hebrews chapter 11. Say it with me, the spirit of faith. It is the spirit of victory. Now that's all our introduction tonight. That gets us caught up. We'll go a little further tonight. Don't worry, the introduction is longer than the message. (laughs) Now notice. In Hebrews chapter 11 it says, Now faith is the substance of what? Things hoped for. So the word of God or faith is the foundation on which our hope stands. God's word is a firm foundation... 
When we have God's word, we can stand on that foundation. And as a result of having that foundation, we can have a confident, favorable expectation that that's what we are standing on, which is a firm foundation, will sooner or later manifest in our lives. And so make sure then that you keep your hope alive. Make sure that you're not only standing on God's word, but you're expecting it to come to pass in your life. What are you expecting? Amen? What is your expectation? Amen. And it is the evidence or the proof or the title deed of things not seen or perceived by the five physical senses. And of course, that's a huge statement right there. And you could teach a long time on that. But basically, it is saying that the word of God is your evidence of what you can't see here. The word of God is your proof of what you can't feel here. The word of God is your proof of what you can't hear, taste or smell. It is the sixth sense. Amen. It's your title deed. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. And through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Now, we talked a little bit about that in other sessions. And we discussed how that through your faith today... You can frame your tomorrows. Okay? And that's with believing and speaking. Now notice, we covered verse 4. By faith, Abel. What did Abel do? By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God even testified of his gifts And by it, he being dead, yet speaketh. So why was Abel included in the Hebrews 11? He was included because he expressed his faith by giving his very best. His faith was expressed through his giving. And it was a testimony... And that testimony is still speaking today. Because we're in Hayward tonight, 2013, and we're talking about how that Abel gave Fluffy. (laughs) Abel gave the best of his best. He just didn't gather something out of the barn and say, well, this will do. And we don't want to be that way in Christ Jesus. We don't want to give God our seconds and have an attitude of this will do. God deserves our best because he gave us his best. And if you will sow your best, you will surely reap your best. We talked about that at length. And of course, Cain, he brought of the... Uh, that which is out of the ground. And obviously Cain wasn't right. Cain wasn't right. He must not have been right. Because once his offering was rejected. He went and killed his brother. So let's just suffice it to say. That Cain had issues. Okay. He had some issues. But Abel. By faith. He offered the best. 
Now, I don't know what it is that you have in your heart. I don't know what it is that God has given you to further and to advance his kingdom. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about the giftedness that he's placed on you because every one of us have a gift or have a talent. Others may have more talents than others. That doesn't matter. What matters is, is we recognize what God has given us and that we honor him with it and we give our very best. And if we compare ourselves with others that are more talented or more developed, we are unwise. That's all God expects out of you is give your best. Now, let's introduce this one now. Verse 5. Can we read it together, please? By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because he had translate, God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony. So here's another testimony, right? Abel's gift was a testimony. Now, Cain, I mean, Enoch, excuse me, Enoch also pleased God. And it was a testimony. Well, let's see how he did that. Turn back to Genesis chapter 5. Genesis, the fifth chapter. I don't want to move too quick. Genesis chapter 5. Thank you, Lord. He had this testimony that he pleased God. And, I mean, he was translated. I mean, he went right into glory, didn't he? Now, notice in Genesis chapter, did I say chapter 5? All right, let's look at verse 21 through 24. (laughs) And Enoch lived 60 and 5 years, and he begat Methuselah. Wow. Think about that. And Enoch walked with God. Say walked with God. He walked with God. I believe the testimony in Enoch's life is that he walked with God. And that his walk with God pleased God. Does your walk and your fellowship with God please God? It can. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 365 years. (laughs) Read verse 24 with me. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, (laughs) for God took him. Now, does that mean, Pastor, if I walk with God and develop (laughs) habitual fellowship and intimacy with him, that I'm going to be translated? No. What that means is that you, by faith, 
will please God. And if the trumpet sounds while you're still alive, yes, you will be translated. <laughs> Amen. Whether it be by rapture air or by way of the grave, when you walk with him, what you have in your heart and the greatest desire of your heart will surely come to pass. And that is to be with him. It's a testimony. It pleased God. But now notice, I think it's interesting that the Bible says that Enoch walked with God. It pleased God. It was a testimony. But Enoch was in Hebrews chapter 11 because he did it by faith. Are there days where you don't sense the presence of God? Are there times... Where you have to take your fellowship with God by faith. Absolutely. Absolutely by faith. Thank God for those days where we sense Him and we feel His presence. It's wonderful and it's awesome. But God has placed on the inside of you the ability to walk by faith and not by your feelings. And love Him with all your heart every day of your life. Regardless of how you feel or what you feel. Lester Sumrall said it this way. He said, faith is a walk. Faith is a walk. Just picture this in your thinking and in your mind just for a moment in your heart. For years and years and years now, we have heard, believed, spoken, and prayed about concerning greater glory. What do you mean greater glory? I mean a greater manifestation of God and His presence in the earth to help us reap the last day harvest. And healing is a major part of that. But I'm telling you something, we need His help. We have His help. But if Jesus were to come tonight, we'd be all so glad... But I'm convinced that he's not coming tonight because we have not yet seen what our hearts know is on the way. That's right. He said this. He said, if you would believe that you would see the very glory of the Lord. But let's just picture A greater presence of God in the earth. Listen, something's got to happen beyond us. Something's got to happen beyond even the greatest preachers in the world. It's heaven invading earth. It's rains of the Spirit falling upon humanity. It's people coming to grips through signs and wonders, through something beyond us that will grip them to make a decision. Amen? Amen. Everyone say greater glory. Greater glory.
And so let's picture this. You know, when God, when God turns it up, He doesn't need a month to reach every nation. <laughs> he can do it like that. But let's picture ourselves in the last of the last days flowing in the power of God, flowing in the glory of God, walking with God just like Enoch did. Woo, glory to God. You know, when Jesus left in Acts chapter 1, the Bible says he was caught up in a cloud, right? Well, you know what? He's also coming in a cloud. What kind of cloud is it? I believe it's a cloud of glory. It's a cloud of the manifestation presence of God. Just picture us in a church service sometime. The house full, people calling on the name of the Lord. The smoke and the glory is so thick. Signs and wonders and miracles happen and end time harvest. And all of a sudden, we who are walking with God just step into that cloud and get caught away. I like that, don't you? I like to think about that. So, let's practice His presence. Let's develop our prayer lives, our praise lives. E.W. Kenyon said something. I don't remember which book it was. Maybe Brenda, P.T. or Kimberly remember. But he mentioned that the number one reason... Why man was created was for fellowship. Think about it, Joe. He came down in the garden in the cool of the day. And what did he do? He walked with them. Glory to God, he walked with them. How many of you brothers and sisters like to go for a walk? I know Rose likes to walk and others like to walk. And it's kind of nice sometimes to have a partner go walking with you. Because while you're walking, your mind is off what you're doing, which exercise is good. But you're having fellowship. You're talking, you're getting caught up. There's that communion taking place. God's just looking for a walking partner. (laughs) He's just looking for a walking partner. He wants to walk with you. He wants to talk with you. He'll run with you if you're a runner. Amen. Maybe some of you know uh, Pastor Mac Hammond out of Minneapolis. But Mac was one of these guys that was... uh, was a fighter pilot in Vietnam. He's a blue blood southern gentleman is what he was. And he went to academies and, you know, got all sorts of degrees and became a top-notch pilot in the United States Air Force. An excellent pilot. I'd fly with him anywhere. And... uh, Mac is one of these guys that was an exercise guy. And it would be, I went out running with him him one time in Tulsa. He did about three laps around me. I mean, he'd run ten miles and I'd do my three. And he was just that way. But he said, God talks to me when I run. 
He says, I'll get on the treadmill at home and I will have these amazing conversations. And I'll hear from heaven. Now, when you're running seven, five miles an hour or so, you're probably not doing a lot of talking, but some listening. Now, extreme illustrations, but find a place to walk with him. Find a place in your home where you can commune with him. How many of you have ever just not known what to do about something? Ask him. And then listen to him. It's like E.W. Kenyon says, practice the presence of God. And you don't have to get all space cadet-ish. You know? And all strange and all weird. You know, I can remember... Uh, and we're almost done. We're not going to get very far with Enoch. We'll pick up Enoch next week. <laughs> but I remember, you know, Brendan and I went over to Seoul, Korea years ago and, and sat at the feet of Dr. Cho and went to Prayer Mountain. And man, we were ready to go for 6 a.m. prayer meetings. And it was awesome for a while. <laughs> the pattern in Korea does not necessarily work for the pattern in the Bay Area. You've got to find out what his pattern is for you. Okay? I know a men of God that they hear best from God in the middle of the night. Two, three, four in the morning. Other people, man, they're just up. I mean, they don't, they don't need coffee. When they wake up, it's, it's on. And that's when they like to have their time with God. So we're all different, right? So we don't want to get under condemnation. We don't want to do everything just like everybody else does it. Find out what your niche is and walk with him and talk with him along life's narrow way. Hallelujah. So next week we're going to talk a little bit about fellowshipping with him and how to walk with him. Okay, is that good enough for tonight? Let's raise our hands and thank him for his word. Father, we thank you tonight. Thank you so much for the